From NPR and WNYC, live from the mothership in Washington, D.C., this is Ask Me Another. I'm your host, Ophira Eisenberg, and we are going to go through an hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. That's right, we're at the NPR headquarters here in Washington, D.C., and what better way to ingratiate ourselves to the establishment than with our VIP punk rock legend Ian Mackay. And to kick things off, let's welcome our puzzle guru for this week, Mr. Art Chung, and our own musical legend, our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton. Hello, Vera. Hello. Our first two contestants are Sue Casey and Kevin Belanger. Sue, how long have you lived in D.C.? Um, it's six years now. Now, if you moved, I've never lived here, what would you miss about D.C.? Aside from the taxation without representation? (laughs) (gasps) Mm. Uh, (laughs) Is that a little Washington sarcasm I detect there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, capital sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Probably the farmer's markets. Oh, they're good. They're really good. All right. Kevin, what would you miss about D.C.? I think I'd miss most just riding my bike around and all of a sudden I look by, oh, there's the White House. Oh, I'm on the Capitol steps. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's exciting. It is pretty cool. Okay, so our first game is called Battle Hymn of the DCs, which is a music game and also sounds deceptively patriotic. Jonathan, take this one away. Yes, indeed. We have taken the song, the Battle Hymn of the Republic, but we have changed the lyrics to be about famous individuals with the initials DC. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is ring in and guess the DC that I am thinking that I am thinking about. <laughs> and we'd prefer it if you sang the answer. All right. Of course, you're not required to, but we would prefer it. Yeah, we would. Yeah, and everybody it. would clearly. Obviously. <laughs> and the winner will move on to the ask me one more final round at the end of the show. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. My eyes have seen the glory of a striking hair of red On TV he's a detective where he finds the body's dead He's known for an accessory he places on his head He puts sunglasses on Glory, glory Sue? David Caruso That's right Our Sunday show, the glory of their athletes' victory. Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman, Tony Romo, Cone Schlandry. Their cheerleaders are famous and though many don't agree, they're called America's team. Kevin. Glory, glory, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, love it. (laughs) (laughs) You're not booing me, right? All right, all right. (laughs) I think so. Good, thank I hope you. not. That was an interesting reaction. <laughs> Loved the singing, enjoyed getting the answer right, angry of the mixture of Glory and Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> angry at that mixture. He played a cast of characters we still quote to this day. He asked if the act was special, he was chopping broccoli. But I wonder if it's prudent at this juncture if I say he wants to pump you up. Kevin. Glory, glory, Dana Carvey. You got it. Kevin, have you ever had any singing lessons, any background in choral? A little bit. I just got done with my first ever musical. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. 
Wow. My goodness. This was good casting on our part. Although their name is singular, the group was made of three. Oh, we had to say their name and get prepared for their jelly. They don't need us to pay their bills. A solo act broke free. Now Beyonce marches on. Kevin. Glory, glory, destiny's child. (laughs) Amen, sister. You got that right. My favorite line in the whole show is, we had to say their name and get prepared for their jelly. Get ready, because I don't, I don't think you're ready. You don't seem ready for my jelly. This character was pompous, serving drinks was not her aim, but she hooked up with the bartender, her square-jawed love-hate flame. She labored in a joint where everybody knows your name, Thursday nights on NBC. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Interesting. Sue. Glory, glory, Diane Chambers. He started as a journalist, but hosting was his game. His voice was deep, his fro was big, he had a groovy aim to put funk and jazz and R&B aboard a TV train. This man had lots of soul. Sue's shaking her head. So No, anybody in the audience know the answer? Don Cornelius! That's correct, yes. This is your last clue. He was born in Tennessee, that's where he learned to hunt and trap. Yes, this 19th century hero might have worn a coonskin cap. He was taken at the Alamo and known around the map as king of the wild frontier. Sue. Glory, glory, Davy Crockett. That's right. Yeah. Art, what, uh, what, are the, what are the results of that game? That was a tie. We are oh going to a tiebreaker. What comedian born right here in Washington, D.C. walked away from his hit Comedy Central show in 2005? Kevin. Dave Chappelle. That is correct. You're our winner. Thank you so much, Sue. And Kevin, you'll be moving on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. On our stage right now, we have Jonathan Bedell and Anne Holsinger. Hello. 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 Now, you both have really intense, amazing jobs. Jonathan, you're a nurse who works on organ transplants. Yes, that's correct. Anne, you work at the Death Penalty Information Center. Yes. All right, so here's my question for you guys. (laughs) How do you feel about roller coasters? I scream like a girl if I'm on roller coasters, and my sister, who did not scream like the girl she is, uh, can confirm that. Fair enough. Anne? I'm much more of a Ferris wheel person. I like it a little milder. (laughs) That is a nice way of saying you hate roller coasters. (laughs) I prefer lying down. (laughs) All right. So this next game I classify under the category of games where we make people do things. 
So here's the premise. People say life is a roller coaster ride, to which I say, Wee! Scared yet? So contestants, you should feel the same because all the answers to these clues will be words that contain double E's. Aha! Puzzle guru Archung, can you give us an example? If we said it's the Fox TV series that features students competing in a cappella choir competitions, you would answer, Glee! And since it's radio, answering by putting your hands above your head like you're on a roller coaster is, of course, mandatory. <laughs> and remember, at some point in the game, we will be snapping a photo of you, which you can purchase after the show. So. <laughs> It's a 1986 comedy about a love-struck, knife-wielding Australian played by Paul Hogan. Jonathan. Crocodile Dundee! (laughs) (laughs) Correct! From her many self-portraits, it seems Mexican artist Frida Kahlo didn't care much for this grooming tool. Anne. Tweezers. (laughs) (laughs) Tweezers is right. Jonathan, were you like, I have no idea what this could possibly be? I was be. really thinking razor. <laughs> that would be, of course, your yes. solution. That would be your solution to that problem. On the TV series The Jeffersons, George's deep-voiced TV wife was named... Jonathan. Wheezy! <laughs> well done. It's the brand name for an itsy bitsy man bikini worn by Olympic swimmers and unfortunately Europeans. <laughs> Anne. Mankini? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a brand name. I love the idea that my clue has man bikini in it. Jonathan's stealing. Speedo! <laughs> Can we do it with the we uh, mixed into it there? Speedo! (laughs) It's the literary journal founded by author Dave Eggers. Not sure. It is not the believer. Okay. No, both of our contestants do not know. Anyone out there? McSweeney. Half the audience do that. Yes. It's a great place if you love David Foster Wallace jokes for the four people that answered that question. In 1994, U.S. ice skater Nancy Kerrigan was famously sidelined at the U.S. figure skating championships when she was clubbed with a metal baton to the... Anne. Knee! Yes! And this is your last clue. It's the short-lived but critically acclaimed TV comedy that launched the careers of Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Jason Segel. Jonathan. Freaks and geeks! (laughs) Yes, Yes it is. Congratulations. (laughs) All right, Art, how did our wonderful contestants do? I thought that roller coaster would never end. (laughs) But Jonathan was our winner. Congratulations, Jonathan. Thank you so much, Anne. Jonathan, you'll be moving on to our final round at the end of the show. 
We're live from Studio One at the NPR Nerve Center in our nation's capital. Coming up, our VIP, that's puzzle speak for very important puzzler, is a punk rock legend. He's the front man of the band's Minor Threat and Fugazi. Ian Mackay is our VIP. So stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and we're live from Studio One in Washington, D.C. Right now, please welcome our VIP, D.C. punk pioneer, Ian Mackay. <laughs> Ian Mackay. Yes. Welcome. Thank you kindly. You're very well known, obviously, for the way that you ran your live performances. Very specific. All ages was very important. Uh, low ticket price, no more than $7. Uh, and then it was also how you dealt with the behavior of the crowd. And I, I do a lot of live stand-up. I deal with the behavior of the crowd all the time, telling people not to ruin it. Uh, and I know that you also like the lights on yeah. the audience. I like them in darkness. But you like, why do you like them on the crowd? I want to know who I'm talking to. You want to see their eyes specifically? Of course. Hmm. Right now I'm in the band The Evens. And whenever yeah. we play, we always start by saying, if you are not here we would be practicing, <laughs> right? And that's just the truth of the matter. And I think, in fact, what's going on, the lights are masking the audience and it excuses them from actually having to participate. Now, this particular experience right now, if this audience was not here, it would be very different. Absolutely. The energy of this show is coming from these people. Absolutely. You all are very funny and you're a good musician <laughs> and you're a good puzzle guru or whatever. <laughs> but whatever, you, whatever it is, you, whatever you claim, you're good at it. Um, but these people are actually making the show. Absolutely. You know, so, so my position is sort of like when we play, I like the idea that they have a sense of being connected to what is actually happening. Now, in terms of the behavior stuff, I assume you're referring to, like, often we would encourage people to not fight sure. or not jump on people's heads. I don't know why this is notable. Right. You know? Right. I mean, it's interesting to me because... It'd be like if I was having you over for dinner and someone started stabbing you with a butter knife. I would encourage that person to stop, right? <laughs> it just seems obvious. It's an obvious thing. Right, the idea that the, uh, people having fun in a way that hurts others would be not acceptable. I think the idea of people hurting each other is unacceptable. Yeah, I would. It's not a matter of fun, even. I think that they are it's behavioral ritual, you know? Now, the evens, you guys are a mellower sound than, say, Fugazi. Uh, but that means that you can also play in a lot of uh, non-traditional places. It seemed to us that music had been sort of forced into really specific kinds of venues, largely bars, and which is fine. I mean, I'm not against bars or clubs. But at some point, if you have a situation where you can't see a band because you're not of a certain age, and that age is specific to being able to drink, then you got to f- decide who's calling the shots. Now, let me ask you a question. Is music important to you in your life? Me? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Did you listen to music when you were 16? I listened to music as was, far back as I can remember. Right. Was it important to you when you were a teenager? Very important. Right. So think about the amount of times that band... Where'd you grow up? Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay, so... <laughs> 
we, yeah, we, of course, we yeah. snuck into bars when we were 14 because right. that was the only choice. That's just insane. It yeah. is insane that that industry is calling the shots about music. That's, that's our position. So we think it's not shut down the bars. It's rather prove that music can exist anywhere and everywhere. And that way, new ideas have an opportunity to actually develop. So we're going to talk more, and we're going to put you in the puzzle hot seat a little later in the show. But right now, uh, I'm going to ask you to help us out with this next round. So we're going to bring on a contestant. Welcome, Andrew Howard. Hello. Now, Andrew, we chose you based on a story yes. that you told us about a presentation you made in school in the ninth grade. Yes. Can you share with the class? Why not? Yes, uh, please. I, um... I had to do a tell-us-about-yourself sort of thing on poster board, and uh, I happened to read a lot of Guitar World magazine at the time. There just so happened to be this spread of, like, indie albums or something, like, from different decades, and I cut out the ones I really liked, including Fugazi's Repeater. And I said, in my ninth-grade seriousness, these are the five albums that changed my life. <laughs> So we know you're a big fan of Ian's music, but we wanted to know how much you know about Ian. So before the show, before the show, we asked Ian a bunch of random questions with two possible answers. For instance, something like, who's your favorite guitarist, Jimi Hendrix or Eric Clapton? And what you have to do is tell us how you think he answered. So with that one, for example, Ian, what was your answer? That would be Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. I, that's, I would have picked that. You would have yes. gone that way? Yes. <laughs> You're going to be just fine. What's Ian's old school media format of choice? Vinyl records or cassette tapes? I'd go with vinyl records. Ian, what do you think? You are correct, sir. <laughs> I don't have a problem with cassettes particularly, but they were very much like the light bulb of the recording industry. They just break. They just, just broke. All yeah. plastic, yeah. smushed in the end of cars. Very strange. Very strange format, but very popular for a while. Does Ian use an electric toothbrush or a manual toothbrush? <laughs> I'm guessing manual. You're correct, sir. <laughs> I don't understand electric toothbrushes. I think it's crazy. I think that if you're going to brush your teeth, you should get to know your mouth. <laughs> you should feel your mouth with your brush. I had a dentist who called me a dental missionary once. Really? Can I give you a piece of advice? Take care of your teeth. Don't be scared of the dentist. Think of it like a massage. Seriously, your teeth, when your teeth go bad, your life is horrible. <laughs> Take care of your teeth. That's what I can tell you. All we do is learn from you, Ian. That's all we do. <laughs> all right, and finally, coffee or tea? I'm going to go tea. You are correct, sir. Never had a, a real taste for coffee. No? No, but never. You, but you have tried it. Of course, yeah. I'm not, I'm not against coffee. How did our contestant Andrew do in that? Andrew, you did a very fine job peering into Ian's mind. You are moving on. This was one of my favorite rounds of all time. Andrew, you're going to be moving on to our Ask Me One More Final Round at the end of the show. And Ian, we are going to be putting you in the puzzle hot seat a little later. But right now, let's hear it for Andrew and Ian Mackay. (laughs) 
1787, I'm told, our founding fathers did agree to write a list of principles for keeping people free. The USA was just starting out, a whole brand new country. So our people spelled it out, the things that we shouldn't be. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Jonathan Colton. And joining us right now are Sharon Horowitz and Gotham Hands. <laughs> Our next game is called National Treasures. And when I hear that, I think of the Smithsonian Institution and, of course, our show. Sharon, Gotham, if you could take any object from your closet, bookshelf, your life, and declare it a national treasure, what would you choose? Um, I can't even pick a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... Um, Maybe my hiking boots? Your hiking boots. All right, you're a big hiker, or mm-hmm. they've never been used and therefore should be put in a museum. <laughs> Former. Former. Okay, excellent. And Gautam, what would you choose? Um, my standing mixer. Your, your what? My standing mixer. A standing mixer? Yeah. Jonathan, how about you? Uh, I would probably choose the 2004 action movie National Treasure. <laughs> Starring Nicolas Cage and featuring this immortal line. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. He's going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Oh, yes, he is. He says it so matter-of-factly. Yeah, it's just what he has to do. (laughs) So in this next challenge, I'm going to describe some famous items from the Smithsonian's collections, and you will give me the answer in your best Nicolas Cage impression. So, Art, can you give us an example, please? I can indeed. If we said Charles Lindbergh flew this single-engine plane from New York to Paris in 1927, you would answer, I'm going to steal the spirit of St. Louis. (laughs) (laughs) Really? As as you can see, it doesn't need to be a good Nicolas Cage. What? (laughs) No offense, Art. All right, the winner of this game will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Here we go. The sight of this huge piece of cloth over Fort McHenry in 1814 inspired Francis Scott Key to write a certain patriotic song. I'm going to steal the Star Spangled Banner. That is correct. It was a terrible impression, but that is I'm correct. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that was on par with arts. Art was better than me. <laughs> Got him. I want you to have more self-esteem for this round, okay? <laughs> what about my self-esteem? You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting paid. Yeah, you're a guru. <laughs> it's not easy being this Jim Henson puppet, who was the first Muppet donated to the National Museum of American History back in 1994. Got him. I'm going to steal Kermit the Frog. Yes. 
Yeah, that's the kind of intensity we're looking for. That's correct. Yeah, you're like a creepy puppet stealer in that moment. This 14 by 20 foot room appears exactly as it did in its owner's Massachusetts home at the time she donated it to the Smithsonian. And while you can't walk through it, glimpses from three viewports can whet your bon appetit. Got him. I'm going to steal Julia Child's kitchen. Yes, that's right. Yes. This white one-shoulder dress was created by designer Jason Wu, who didn't know it was going to be worn until he saw it on television on January 20th, 2009. Got him. I'm going to steal Michelle Obama's inauguration dress. You monster. Yes, that's good. <laughs> All right, this is your last question. This upholstered piece of furniture was regularly seen in American living rooms from 1971 to 1979 as a prop on the sitcom All in the Family. Sharon. I'm going to steal Archie Bunker's chair. You got it. All right, how did this uh, ultimately very contested game go? Uh, Gotham stole this game and our hearts. Oh. Thank you, Sharon. We know that you knew all of the answers, so give Sharon a huge round of applause. Gotham will be moving on to our final round at the end of the show. Are you punk enough to listen to our show with a complete disregard for authority? Are you sick of people telling you when and when you can and cannot hear your favorite NPR trivia show? then you should download our podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn and take us everywhere you go. We'll keep the brain teasers coming and let you think for yourself. Let's welcome our next two contestants, Dan Slachter and Arthur Adams. Arthur, you're a software engineer? Yes, ma'am. Dan, you work... With investments at the Royal Bank of Canada? That'll work, yeah. Which is my bank, and I have a question about doing nice. something with my RSP, but I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> Sounds good. But anyways, you were both game lovers as children. So, Arthur, what did you play as a kid? Pretty much anything. Yeah? Video games, Monopoly, board games, you name it, I played it. And, Dan, what's your game background? Uh, well, my dad, who's out here in the audience, hey, Dad, uh, he would always do brain teasers with my sister and I and just kind of grew up loving games, watching Jeopardy!, Monopoly was a favorite of mine, too. Okay. Our next game is called The Urge to Merge. It's big news when two well-known businesses merge, especially when they combine two existing names into one. And it's even bigger news when we make up the merger <laughs> and ask you for the new company's name. <laughs> so, Art, how about an example? If we said the company that prepares one in every six U.S. tax returns is merging with a struggling video rental company... The answer would be H&R Blockbuster, the combination of H&R Block and Blockbuster. The worst videos of all time. <laughs> right, so contestants, we'll give you clues to both businesses, and you have to mash their names together to give us the merged company. All right, let's get going. Writing a check in your sweatshop-free T-shirt and leggings won't be a problem when an enormous financial institution merges with a hipster Los Angeles-based clothing manufacturer. I'm not a hipster. Um. It's an enormous financial institution merging with a hipster Los Angeles-based clothing manufacturer, Arthur. Bank of American Apparel? Exactly. 
Want more than a mint on your pillow? Don't we all? A hotel chain with a green and white logo will have the world's largest maker of semiconductor chips inside. Dan. That would be Holiday Intel. Exactly. Get ready for even more movie promotions in your fast food as the studio behind Toy Story and Up acquires a chain of roast beef restaurants. Dan. Picks Arby's. Picks Arby's. And can't you see that little Pixar lamp just warming the meat? Sounds delicious. You probably won't be able to buy Pepsi in bulk once this membership warehouse merges with the world's largest beverage company. Arthur. Cost Coca-Cola. Cost Coca-Cola is correct. Want to shake your pictures while you buy lumber? That's what the particular dream of this merger of the world's largest home improvement store with the company that is famous for its instant cameras. Home Depolaroid. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Warren Buffett's holding company will be trimming the fat once it swallows up an international diet community that holds over 45,000 weekly meetings. Dan. Berkshire Hathaway Weight Watchers. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. (laughs) Although Berkshire Hathaway sounds to me like a very pretentious woman. Like, that does sound just like the name. Yeah, like you went to high school with Berkshire Hathaway. Right, exactly. (laughs) She was awful. This is your last clue. Dude! After this merger, you can buy a laptop like this Texas company's Inspiron, and it will come with a pair of distinctive duck boots from a main catalog company. Arthur. Del L. Bean. Del L. Bean is correct. Art, how did our contestants do in this very difficult game? This was a very difficult game, and both contestants were amazing, but Arthur was our winner. Well done by a hair. Arthur will be moving on to our final round. Dan, fantastic job. Thank you so much for being a contestant. Thanks for having me. It was great. This was wonderful. Coming up from NPR's High Command in Washington, D.C., we'll put our VIP, that's very important, punk, from the band The Evens, Ian Mackay, along with NPR's very own melodic funny man Stephen Thompson in the puzzle hot seat. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. from our nation's capital, it's NPR and WNYC's hour of trivia, puzzles, and word games, Ask Me Another. I'm your host, Ophira Eisenberg, and joining me is the creative force behind Minor Threat, Fugazi, and the Evens, Ian Mackay. And joining him in the puzzle ring is NPR music editor and co-host of NPR's pop culture happy hour podcast, the rock critic of our dreams, Stephen Thompson. 
Welcome back, Ian. Welcome, Stephen, to Ask Me Another. Now, this is not a random pairing, having the two of you up here. Uh, you go way back, as it turns out, through a connection through your mother, Ian? Yeah, well, Stephen used to work for The Onion. He was the AV editor at The Onion, which was, it's a, well, he's from Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, Wisconsin, yeah, wasn't Madison, it? Wisconsin. Yeah, and it's a, it was a very funny... Somebody here is either from Madison, Wisconsin, or knows where it is. Yes. <laughs> Excitement all around. That's, but anyway, he, he was an editor there and interviewed me. And at some point, I guess you did the book. Mm-hmm. Maybe my interview had appeared in the book. I asked for a copy for my mom. And I guess she wrote you a letter, did she? She did. I, started, I got this letter out of the blue from, uh, from Ginger Mackay. Uh, and, uh, which, which, which I'm like, oh, you know, that's, that's, that's a vaguely familiar name and, and flip it over. And it's this absolutely lovely thank you letter for this book. And so I just, every time the onion put out a book, I would send a copy to Ian's mom, I, <laughs> which is, it's weird. I actually don't particularly care for Ian. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say the same about you. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you this, Ian, uh, what is punk? Does it still exist today? Since I think of punk as the free space, mm-hmm. which means a place where new ideas can be presented without being dictated by profit motives, punk will never die. That's the thing about punk. It, so it may not be called punk, but you know, I think that in the history of music, you know, actually all cultures, all different forms of expression, whether you're talking about you know, jazz, blues, rock and roll, hip hop, folk, all these things, they're all punk in their own way, in their beginnings. It's only when they become commercialized and co-opted that they lose that kind of decisive, like, wow, something is really occurring here. So it may not be called punk, but it will always exist. Punk won. That's what I can say. You know, it changed. And in fact, I would even say that this show, in a way, like this, like there's a certain component to the show that really comes straight out of this idea of approaching presentation in a really alternative way that has keeps parlaying over and over and over. Trust me, this show is the biggest risk NPR has ever taken. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> All right, so I have to ask you, are you both ready to take and ask me another challenge? Sure. Yes. All right. Jonathan Colton, I understand you have brushed up on your punk repertoire. I did, yes, but honestly, as a singer, I'm much more of a sensitive Dan Fogelberg type. <laughs> Uh, what's going to happen is you are going to have to identify the punk and punk-influenced songs that I will be playing, but they may not sound the way you're used to hearing them. <laughs> After each clue, Afira will ask for a follow-up trivia question that may or may not have anything to do with the song. Who knows what it will be. And you guys have agreed to play as a team. If you guys get enough right, then Marilyn Stark from Herndon, Virginia, will win a special Ask Me Another prize. And uh, Marilyn is a big fan of yours, Ian, and also, coincidentally, the mother of one of our contestants... And Holsinger. If we foul this up, if we don't do this for her, yeah. I'll double it. <laughs> Two tote bags. All right. <laughs> if you would, uh, name the song. I am an antichrist. I am an anarchist. Don't know what I want, but I know how to get it. Do we jump in on destroy this? Destroy the <laughs> Kind of harsh in my mellow there, Ian. Because <laughs> I want to be anarchy. Uh, you know, I, I think you probably know this, Ian, but, uh, but it's anarchy in the UK. That is correct, yes. 
Thank you, Ian, for letting me take the really easy one. Sure. Here's your follow-up trivia question. Speaking of the Antichrist, you just might be the Antichrist if you have a 666 birthmark on your skull like a creepy boy named Damien in what 1976 horror film? That is correct. How you get a rude and a reckless Don't you be so crude and a feckless You've been drinking brew for breakfast The title goes here <laughs> Is that a real song? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it seems like a Stephen one for me, so... Oh, come on. <laughs> See, the thing is, I don't uh, know anything or, and I am not good at anything. <laughs> So I'm not entirely sure uh, that I'm, the, that I'm the, the best helper with this one. We might need to consult the audience. Anybody in the audience know the answer? Rudy can't fail, that's right. Let's say you do with your follow-up question. Oh, okay. Surprisingly, what Rudy did fail to win the 2008 Republican presidential primary <laughs> in Florida and thus ended his presidential run the next day? Sore loser. Giuliani. Giuliani. Yes, you are correct. All right, we're looking for the song title here. We've got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. All our friends are going to hang out here We're gonna pass out on the couch all right tonight. Just do the ending of that again. That was so nice. <laughs> and just make your mouth go sideways again. Tonight. A <laughs> uh, TV party. TV party is right. That song is by Black Flag. Black Flag is also the name of an insecticide brand that's been around since 1833. One of their most famous products is what insect trap where bugs check in, but they don't check out. You want to, I know the Roach Motel. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Apropos of that, yeah. there was a band from Florida called Roach Motel. Oh yeah. Early eighties, a, a punk band. Yeah. So there was a theme. <laughs> the dead we're, bugs. We're covering all things that kill bugs. Yes. <laughs> Bite my lip and close my eyes Take me away to paradise So damn bored I'm going blind I smell like spearmint I've got no motivation Where is my motivation? No time for the motivation Smoking my inspiration Well, it's a green day. Uh Uh-huh. Is that Basket Case? What's the... T- no, I, it's the other one. I'm terrible with titles. <laughs> I'm so bad with titles. And they don't say, like, Basket Case, oh, Basket Case. So it's, it makes it a little harder. <laughs> this actually, I should have said at the beginning, please name the band for this one. Uh, the band is Green Day. That's right! The song is Longview. Oh. Yes, which was Green Day's first hit single. What does the title Longview refer to? I have no clue. Hmm? I also have no clue. Anyone out there? Everyone's wrong. Uh, Longview, Washington, where the song was first performed. 
in front of an audience. How do you know that? Uh, we have the script. No. <laughs> All right, we're just looking for the band on this one. Band in D.C. with a thousand more places to go. Gonna swim the Atlantic, cause that's the only place I can go. You, you can't hurt me. Why? I'm banned, banned in D.C. Bad brains. Bad brains, that's right. Here's your follow-up question. What five-letter word refers to the use of animal brains and other organs as food, and it's a homonym for an adjective that might describe how brains taste? Sweet. Like sweet breads. No. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Sweet brains. Sweet yes, bread. exactly. Sweet breads. Sweet. No, that is not the word. There's another word we were looking for. However, that might I be keep worth... I spongiform. Spongiform. <laughs> Possible. Give it to me. Uh, it's Awful. O-F-F-A-L Awful Which was also my nickname in high school Hey ho Let's go Hey ho Let's go The falling in a straight line (laughs) Go through a tight wind The kids are losing their minds It's so ingrained I know the band obviously it would be, um, I would say it's Blitzkrieg Pop. That's right. You yeah. got it. The Ramones got their name from what rock star who used to check into hotels using the pseudonym Paul Ramone? Paul McCartney. That is correct. That is our quiz. Congratulations. Wow. Ian, congratulations. Stephen. Thank you. Marilyn Stark is going to receive a special Ask Me Another prize, and let me tell you what that is. It's a Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. And we have one for you guys as well. Oh, great. Yes. One more round of applause for NPR Stephen Thompson and Ian Mackay. You take the skyway High above the busy little one way With my stupid gloves and hat at night I lie awake Wondering if I'll sleep Wondering if we'll meet out in the street Would you take the sky away But don't move at all like a subway Got bums when it's cold like any other place It's warm up inside Sitting down and waiting for a ride Beneath the skyway Jonathan Colton Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion, so let's bring back the winners from our previous quizzes. From Battle Hymn of the DCs, Kevin Ballinger. From Wee, Jonathan Bettle. From the Ian Mackay minigame, Andrew Howard. From National Treasure, Gautam Hans. And from Urge to Merge, Arthur Adams. I'm going to ask our puzzle guru, Archung, to crown our winner. 
This final round is called Such Characters. Contestants, I'm going to name two actors who have played the same role in different movies, and you have to name the character. For example, if I said Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro, you would say Vito Corleone, the godfather. We're going to play the spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You'll only have a few seconds to give me the answer, and the last person standing will be our grand winner. Remember, you have to name the common role played by both actors. And here's a hint. Some of the roles are fictional characters, but others are historical figures. Here we go. Kevin, Daniel Craig, and Sean Connery. James Bond. That's right. Jonathan, Christopher Reeve, and Henry Cavill. Superman, Clark Kent. That is correct. <laughs> Twice. Andrew, Leonard Nimoy, and Zachary Quinto. Spock. Spock. Logical and correct. Gotham, Gene Wilder, and Johnny Depp. Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka is right. Arthur, Bella Lugosi, and Gary Oldman. Dracula. Dracula, you got it. <laughs> We're back to Kevin. Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Spider-Man. Spider-Man or Peter Parker, that's correct. Jonathan, Jack Nicholson, and Heath Ledger. The Joker. The Joker, you got it. Andrew, Kate Blanchett and Judy Dench. The Queen? Uh, be more specific. Queen Elizabeth II? I'm oh, no. sorry, I can't no? accept that. Gotham, do you have an answer? Elizabeth I? Yes, Queen Elizabeth I. I'm sorry, Andrew, you're out. <laughs> Arthur, Michelle Pfeiffer and Holly Berry. Catwoman. Catwoman is correct. <laughs> I tried to do the purr. <laughs> Points for style. Kevin, George Clooney, and Frank Sinatra. The character in Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> do you know the first name? Absolutely not. <laughs> no? okay. Jonathan, do you know the first name? I think it's Danny Oshie. That is correct. Ocean. That is correct. <laughs> Gotham, Errol Flynn, and Kevin Costner. Have to give you three seconds. Robin Hood? That's correct. That's right. <laughs> Got him, gave a fist pump for that. Well deserved. <laughs> Arthur, Jodie Foster, and Julianne Moore. Clarice Starling. That is right. Nice. Jonathan, Peter Sellers, and Steve Martin. The Pink Panther. Well, yeah, do you want to correct um, that? Inspector Clouseau. That is correct. <laughs> Gotham, Margaret Hamilton and Mila Kunis. Three seconds. I'm sorry, your time is up. Let's go to Arthur. Do you know the answer? The Wicked Witch of the West? That is correct, Gotham. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> We are down to two players, Jonathan and Arthur. Jonathan, Robert Redford, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, um, the, great, uh, the Great Gatsby? We'll take that. Jay Gatsby is correct. Jay Gatsby. Arthur, Harrison Ford, and Ben Affleck. Um, Indiana Jones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's not right. Jonathan, if you know the answer, you'll win this game. Jack Ryan. That's right. Oh, well done. 
That was a great competition, but it came down to you, Jonathan. You are Ask Me Another big winner, and you win an amazing prize. Ian Mackay will have you over for a cup of tea. Not coffee, <laughs> but a cup of tea and some conversation. So congratulations. Thank you, Washington, for showing us such a great time. And if you're listening at home and would like to be a contestant on our show, find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. And you can be a puzzle player anytime, anyplace by downloading our podcast. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou jolt a cannon. Additional puzzle writing by Karen Lurie, Ellen Title, Mary Tobler, J. Keith Van Stratton, and Christine Walters. Ask Me Another is produced by Jesse Baker, Jab Seekers, Josh Rogeson, Sojig Honors, John Asante, Hat, No Jeans, and Eleanor Kagan, and Orange Lake. Along with Portia Robertson Migas and Eric Newsom. Our show was recorded by Neil Tebolt and Brian Jarbo. We'd like to thank Anna Heller Seabach. Hello, sane banker. Stephen Thompson, and our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. On Ask Me Another, we talk to the director of Bridesmaids, Paul Feig, about funny women. I go to the movies and I see like a male comedy and all the, those funny women aren't being funny. They're being like the mean girlfriend or the wife who's a drag. And it's like, well, that's not cool. I just want all these funny women to be stars. Join me, Ophira Eisberg, and Paul Feig on NPR's Ask Me Another. 